Hey, look, it's just so good to be here and uh, such an honor to be with, uh, with Joe and uh, Lena. I got that right. I'm getting close. And, but mind you, I don't really mind when I get people's names wrong because people get my name wrong all the time. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm Tark, but you know, Tack and Talk and Tick and all, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sheesh. So if I get someone else's name wrong, I don't really care that much, you know. I've suffered that humiliation all my life. So, uh, in fact, my name is, that's, that's a shortened version of my full name, because my full name is just worse. <laughs> and no one could ever get it right. So I shortened it to that. I thought, how could you get Tark wrong? They get it wrong all the time. So I say it's Tark, like, it's like Ark. There's no R in it, but there's Ark, and you put a T in front of it. Is that Tark, and they still can't get it right. It's amazing. It's uh, even international speakers. Danny gets it right. Come and they, you know, mention me from the pulpit, and they still can't even say my name right, you know. So, but anyway, I've learned to live with that. Hey, um, just one of the things, when, you know, being here, you know, I, I've, I come and come to share and minister the word of God, but I know Danny's the same as well, but we also come to receive. You know, I, I don't want to just come here and sort of just deliver and then leave. You know, I, I want God to impact my life. Yeah. And I want to be changed myself because I've got a long way to go on my journey. And, uh, and I can honestly say that since I've been here, God's been touching my life. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel things are moving in my heart. You know, things are just, just God's just doing some stuff. And uh, uh, there was a, one of the songs we sang, was it? Was it this morning about, or was it last night about the cross, treasure, my treasure is in the cross? What's those words? Can, can someone? My wealth is in the cross. And I've never heard that before. And I heard that and I thought, oh my goodness. And just something, you know, it was just one of those moments where you think, wow, that's such a powerful truth. You know, my wealth, it's, it's not in what I do. It's not in my ministry. It's not in my house. It's not in my car. It's not in... You know, traveling the world, my wealth is in the cross. And oh, oh, my goodness. So thank you. Thank you guys for bringing that and, you know, touching my life uh, today, last night and today. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us right now. And Lord, it's been prayed so many times, but we'll never stop praying it, Lord, that we're not here for another message. We're not here just to hear from a man, but Lord, we want you to speak to us. Lord, we're desperate for your voice. You said man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, Father, we so need to hear from you. We so need for you to touch our hearts and our lives today. So, Father, would you anoint my, your servant? Lord, would you cause your words to throw through, flow through his lips? And would you cause every person here to be able to focus, to concentrate, and, Lord, to receive, to have open hearts, Father, to receive from you? In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. All right. So um, I've just completed, I have completed 30 years as a senior pastor of Church Unlimited in Auckland, New Zealand. I want to, thank you. I want to invite you all to come and visit my church. We'd love to uh, be with you, um, with some of your musicians and uh, actually all of them. We just got, my PA's working on some contracts right now. We're going to make offers they cannot refuse. I mean, you know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm here recruiting as well. It's just part of what I do. And, uh, <laughs> so, but I'm upfront about it. Jeez. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least I'm up front about it anyway. So uh, yeah, 30 years we've done. So I just want to share with you some of my journey of what it's been like for me and uh, the things that I've been through and the, some of the lessons that I've learned. And um, I always think there's two ways you can learn. And one is you learn from your own mistakes, but there's a smarter way to learn, and that's from the mistakes of others. And so I'll probably share, if we get far enough in this story, some of my mistakes so that hopefully you can avoid the same pitfalls in your journey and your walk with God. So a goal that we have, and I'm going to repeat a lot of the stuff or some of the stuff that Danny said, because I, you know, I know that you couldn't understand him half the time anyway, so <laughs> just kidding, all right? Just, just going to repeat it, but I think sometimes God wants to drive some stuff home. So he wants us to really capture what he's trying to say in our lives. So, you know, the goal that all of us have in our lives is 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. I have fought the good fight. You know, I've kept the faith. I have finished the race. And uh, that's our goal. But God wants us not just to finish, but he wants us to finish well. He wants us to finish in good heart and in great shape. Too many Christians and too many leaders I know Yes, they do finish, but they don't finish well. They finish disillusioned. They finish angry. They finish burnt out. They finish um, you know, bitter and disillusioned and, and all of those different things. So, yeah, sure, they finish, but they don't finish well. But God's vision and call for you and me is to finish well. So tell the person next to you, you are going to finish well. So you want, to be able to, you want to be able to look in the mirror any day that you get up, look in the mirror and be able to say, I like the person that following Jesus and leadership is making me. I like what it's doing in my life. It's making me a better person. It's making me more in love with Jesus. It's making me more Christ-like. It's making me more loving of other people. I, I like the person I'm becoming as a follower of Jesus, as a leader in the body of Christ if you're a pastor. Because too many people, I think, look in the mirror and they don't like what they see. They don't like what they are becoming. And if that is you today and you're finding that you're on that journey, it's my prayer that by the end of this conference, God will have done a work in your life and you'll be restored, you'll be revived, revived, you'll be renewed, you'll be refined if you need that. And so you can start uh, go on a different trajectory where you can look in the mirror. You see, I can look in the mirror. With all honesty now, I've been full-time ministry almost you know, 30 plus years. I can look in the mirror and I can say, I am pleased with the person I'm becoming. I'm, I'm sweeter today than I was. You had just had to know me earlier that, that you think that's a good thing. I, I'm kinder than I used to be. I'm closer to Jesus than I was 10 years ago or before I started the ministry. I'm more on fire for God. I have more faith. I like who I am becoming as I am a servant of Christ. And we all want to be able to do that. We all want to be able to say that. So we can say that at the end of our journey that we finished, but we also finished well. So they did some surveys among pastors or leaders in America, and uh, some of the statistics came out. I'm sure they're the same for all of us and also for Christians as well, and particularly for leaders too. But here's some of the things that they found out, is they said that 50% uh, found that they were 
how do they put it? 50% feel unable to meet the demands of the job. Isn't that interesting? In the call of God upon your life, in your leadership, whatever it is, 50% feel unable to meet the demands. They don't feel equal to the challenge of their job. Well, guess who's in one of that 50%? I'm one of the 50%. Because God's asking me to do stuff, and I do stuff in my life, and I'm called to do stuff, and I think, God, this is too much for me. I can't do this. I'm not capable enough for that. I don't have that kind of giftings. And so what I have to revert to is I have to depend on God. Write this down somewhere. Dependence is power. Dependence is power. See, some people are so good they depend on themselves, but I ain't going to get so far. But hey, I'm I'm way ahead of them because I depend on God, and God is so much better than anything I can ever do. And so when you get into that place of dependence on God, it's a great place to be. So if you're right now facing challenges in your life, your church, your ministry, and you're thinking, man, I can't do this, hey, great, depend on God. And that's going to release His power to help you do the things that He has called you to do. Because actually, quite frankly, none of us are really good enough to do what God has called us to do. We are so dependent on his enabling, his anointing, his ability flowing through us. So here's another statistic for you. This one may surprise you. And this is more among leadership, but I think it's among a lot of Christians as well, is 70% have no close friend. 70% have no close friend. Some people say that the senior pastor's wife or the pastor's wife is the most lonely person in the church. So 70%. Now, if you go and ask all these people, they say, oh, yeah, I've got friends, da-da-da-da-da. But have they really? Have they really got friends who are going to be with them in the crisis? When the chips are down, when you're in the dark night of the soul, who is going to be there? And as Danny discovered, a lot of people he thought were friends were not friends at all. And others he didn't know were friends were actually friends. So, but you've got to have 70% have no close friend. I've preached this around the world. And sometimes we've got stuck on this point for 10 minutes. Because people are all sitting there thinking, you're talking about me. I don't have friends. And friends, we we all need friends. No man is an island, nor is any woman. (laughs) But more men probably tend to be more islands than than may woman might want to be or might tend to be. No one is an island. God has made us interdependent. We need one another. And so can I encourage you all, especially if you're in leadership, that you intentionally develop Um, relationships of strength, intentionally develop. They're not going to fall out of the sky. They're not going to come running to you. Maybe by a miracle of God, it might happen occasionally, but you've got to go after this and you've got to develop these relationships because they they become, in ministry, some of these things become the most precious thing that you have. You know, people who will be with you in the world. I mean, me and Danny, I mean, we're great friends now. And I know I can ring him any time of the day, any day of the week, and he can ring me as well. And we can talk, discuss, and share or whatever. That, that is priceless. That is priceless. And it's, you know, it's a relationship of strength because he can add to what I have. And I have so many lacks, you know. It's a bit like Lego, isn't it? You know, the only way, reason Lego works is because all these different fit, bits and pieces, they fit together. And when they're fit together, they're strong and they can take, you know, sustain pressure. And uh, if you have Lego and they've got no bits sticking out and there's excesses and lacks that you put together, is that right? In Lego, and that's what makes it strong. But if there's, if there's no excesses and lacks and you just put them uh, lined up, why not, anything can blow it over. 
But so when we connect with other people, these relationships of strength, I believe, are really, really important in our lives. So my parents were from India. It's an interesting story, Hindu faith. And uh, my dad and my uncle and my grandfather, they came to New Zealand to check out the land. And this is in the days of boats, you know, so they're a long way away, long way away from home and long way, to, long time to get there and to get back. So when they're in New Zealand, my father or my, my father's brother, my uncle, at age 19, he gets sick in New Zealand and he dies. And he's buried in, um, I think it's in New Plymouth, somewhere down in the center of the North Island. And so he's 19 years old. So you can imagine what it was like when my dad goes back to India and says to his parents, I'm taking my wife and the two girls that were born, and we're going to go and live in New Zealand. New Zealand has already claimed his one other son that he had. And so they, didn't, they resisted my, my parents um, moving to New Zealand, but somehow uh, God worked out. They got others to sponsor them. And, uh, and then God moved strongly in the, in the heart of my Hindu parents, that regardless of having lost a brother from my dad's brother in New Zealand, they were going to go and live in New Zealand. And the reason God, that I believe God moved strongly in my father's heart to move to New Zealand because I had to be born in New Zealand to fulfill my calling and my destiny. You know how God moved in the heart of Cyrus, you know, to rebuild the temple. So God, God can, and so God worked on my behalf. And so here's my, I'm going to put these up as lessons for you. So lesson number one is this, God has power to do anything needed for you to fulfill your destiny. God has power to do anything needed for you to fulfill your destiny. Don't ever worry about whether God can get you to where he needs to get you or do the things that he needs to do in your life. He can do anything. If he can move in the heart of a Hindu father and, and a mother as well and shift to New Zealand, you know, where there's no family, no friends, isolated, no, you know, coming with nothing in order for me to fulfill my destiny, Wow, he can do whatever he needs to do in your life. And I think one of the things we need to understand is God has done a lot to get you to where you are today. You're not where you are by chance. You're not located where you are by chance. God has a master designer. He is a master planner. He has orchestrated it all together. You're in the right place at the right time, and you're the right person for the job. This is the way God works in our lives. And uh, he or- he's always working and orchestrating all these different things for us. So let that stir your faith. God's got great plans ahead for you. Great plans. So I studied at Auckland University. I did two degrees, one in law and one in commerce. But at the end of that, I'm empty and I'm searching. And an, a Christian who's a real Bible basher, uh, he just bashed me with the Bible. I mean, he smashed a big black Bible. You know, we always say don't bash people with the Bible. Some people need to be bashed. There's no rules in this game, folks. You know, some people need the hammer. You know, some need the soft, gentle touch. They need the, the, the feather. But some, you know, and I, I need, he bashed me, man. I tell you, we'd get in a lift and he'd lock the door there and he'd, he'd be at me. And I used to tell him to back off. He wouldn't back off. But eventually he got me. Well, God got me through that. And through my searching all, you know, led to finding uh, faith in Christ while I was a, a university student. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a real change for me, a real transformation in my, in my life at that time. But, you know, as a brand new Christian, it's interesting. You know, I would go to Hare Christian meetings beforehand. Before I become a Christian, I'd ask them questions. And uh, they'd give me answers. I'd think, that's wrong. 
the Spirit of God somehow was still working in my life, that I could discern what was not right and, and, and turned away from some of those things. And so I gave my life to Christ. Uh, but as an early Christian, it was interesting. I, I mean, saved only weeks, months maybe. Something stirred in my heart. It's obviously the Spirit of God. And this is what the Spirit of God, I felt, said to me is this. It, it was that the, the best thing that I could do with my life, the wisest thing that I could do with the rest of my life is to give everything with all of my heart to following Jesus. You know, some people never come to that place, but something deep within my heart just stirred. And I thought, okay, God, if I'm going to go down this track, I'm going to give it everything I've got by the grace of God and by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So here's lesson number two for you. For Christianity to work, you have to give it your all. You have to be sold out. For Christianity to work, you have to give it your all. You've got to be sold out. I have learned this, friends, over the years, that half-hearted Christianity does not work. It just doesn't work. It doesn't deliver what we want it to deliver. And uh, we, because we, it requires us to give our everything to, to Jesus. You know, we want a, a fulfilling, satisfying, powerful walk with God. But you'll never get that if you're lukewarm. If you have one foot in the church and one foot in the work, it just doesn't work. And I am sick and tired of Christians saying Christianity doesn't work. Friends, it does work if you play it by the book. If you go by what the Word of God says and the conditions in the Word of God, it does work. This thing works. But one of the weaknesses, I think, of the Western church, friends, is we're not preaching the whole gospel anymore. We're preaching a God who's going to bless you, bless you, and bless you. But we're leaving out some of the conditions required in order for God to bless you. He is... He is not Santa Claus, friends. You know, we got too many Jimmies in the church saying, oh, my name is Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. And God says, yeah, I'll give you, but hey, let me tell you some of the conditions upon which I will give to you. You want to find your life, you got to lose it. You want to live, you got to die. You want to receive, you got to give. You want to reap, you got to sow. Friends, we got to start preaching the whole gospel again. Come on, we've got to give the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Let's not be afraid of the verses that says, take up your cross daily and follow me. You know, if you, don't, if you don't deny yourself, you cannot be my disciple. Where did that preaching disappear to friends? We have sold the church short. Sorry, I'm getting a bit worked up here, Joe. Is that all right? Keep going. Is that all right, Daddy? Okay. We're selling the church a deception. We're giving them all the benefits, all the blessing. God will do this, 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 and the other thing. But we leave out all the conditions. We leave out the requirements. And then they say Christianity doesn't work. It does work. It works. It works. We've got to follow the book. You've got to follow the conditions. I've got to settle down now. Just calm down. Christianity works in opposites. It's all opposites. You want to receive, you got to give. You want to live, you want to got to die. But see, the world teaches the opposite, and some people just never get it, and they give out the whole Christian life. It just doesn't work for them, friends. You know, when when you're sold out for God, when you give it the best, despite all the mountains and valleys and troubles and difficulties and struggles and battles that you face, it is. The best life on the planet. Living for Jesus, it doesn't get any better than that, friends. 
It's the ultimate of life. And, you know, I, I want people to, you know, begin to understand that living for Jesus is the most satisfying, fulfilling, rewarding life possible on planet Earth. Nothing else, no one else can offer what Jesus offers us. And that's despite the battles. That's despite what Danny and, I mean, Danny would say this is the best life possible. And the reality is this. Christian or not Christian, you're going to go through the struggles anyway. Far better go through them with Jesus on, with, on your side. He'll carry you through. Imagine if this unbelievable couple here, and they are, went through this without Jesus. Where would they be? They'd probably be buried by now. You know, there'd be, be some mental home, bitter, twisted, angry, dissolute, all the rest of it. But with Jesus, with Jesus, with Jesus, they can come through this sweet and smiling and positive and uplifting. That's miracle territory right there, folks. That's miracle territory. You see, I was talking to Sharon beforehand. I'm off track here, but we probably won't get through this message. It doesn't matter. I was talking to Sharon beforehand, and I said, you know, Sharon, Danny gets up and preaches, and we love what he preaches, but I want you to know that your greatest message is actually your lives. It's who you, in fact, you are your message. And you know, the message these guys give, they are an inspiration around the globe, folks. Tens of thousands, if not millions of people are inspired by this couple, by going through what they're going through and still trusting in Jesus, still loving Jesus, still serving Jesus, still sweet, still smiling, still preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. These folks honor Jesus. They honor his name. They honor his work. They honor the faith. And we need a lot more of that in the church today, friends. I started by saying too many leaders end up bitter and disillusioned and twisted and, and backslidden and, and, and bitter and all of those things, friends. That's, that's terrible advertising for the gospel. Terrible advertising for the ministry. These guys are great advertising. I want to be good advertising for the gospel. I want people to look at me and say, I want what he's got. Is that all right? I'm a bit wound up at the moment. I'm going, to, I'm going to calm down right now. I'm just going to slow it right down. So after I was saved, I was attended the, the, the massive Queen Street Assembly of God. What people don't know, back in the years gone by, <laughs> days of Noah, <laughs> um, it was actually one of the biggest churches in the world. Yeah. It was a, a probably attendance of 5,000. The way they count today, you know, 50,000. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but a database of probably 10,000. They were in the top one percentile of churches in the world. So I attended that church uh, in, in the early days of my myself. When, when I got saved, that was a church. So I was actually... Saved in the days of the charismatic renewal. So this, these were the t days when people would run to church. And they would fight over the front rows. And no one's fighting for those seats over there. They'll fight over, I mean, they, 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 see, see when, the, when the fire's there, friends, <laughs> you don't have to go to church. <laughs> you can't be kept away from church. 
You know, they, they used to try and keep me out of the services. And, and would you do this and that? And I said, I've got to be in the services. I've got to hear the preaching. I've got to, I've got to be able to worship. You know, the, the hunger was so great in those days. So I was saved in the fire. And uh, I reckon I've got as much fire today as I had way back in the beginning there. I'd like to think I've got a bit more fire because I understand the things of God a little bit more than I did way back there. And that's why my media ministry of my radio and television and the magazine is called Running with fire, because one of my deepest passions is to see Christians running with fire after God. My, one of my passions is to see churches on fire for God, like this place is here. I'm a bit of a pyromaniac. I like to go around lighting fires wherever I can. I get stirred up, and because, you know, when people have got the fire of God, everything changes. It's a game changer, friends. Everything's a joy like we heard before. Everything's as I want to, not have to. It all changes because there's an there's a inward motivation. No one has to tell me to get up in the morning to pray and seek God and go to church and serve the Lord. You can't stop me doing that, friends, because there's a fire, there's a fuel, there's a charge that wants to live for Jesus, that wants to serve Him, wants to preach, wants to do all the things God's called me to do. So we need to set the church on fire, you know? And, you know, <laughs> I reckon one of the biggest challenges today is pastoring a lukewarm church. You're trying to lead all these people who don't want to go where you're going. You want to give them vision, they're not interested in your vision. They just said, let me get, you know, I've done my Christian duty, let me get out of here. It's hard work. No wonder so many pastors struggle. I feel for pastors, but we need to get the fire back in the church. We need to raise the spiritual temperature of the church. And that's the mission that I'm on, I'm trying to do where I go. I don't need to do it here. You guys have got plenty of fire here anyway. All right, so moving along, moving along. And by the way, by the way, I would never, ever miss church. Never. Why would I stay away from the pavlova and ice cream and everything that I love? You guys into pavlova over here? Started in New Zealand. Let's settle this issue right now. I've got the platform and I've got the microphone. Pavlova started in New Zealand, all right? Okay. As did that horse that I can't remember the name of. What's the horse they talk about that Australian guy? Farlap. Farlap was a New Zealand horse. I'm not feeling so good about your church anymore, Joe. I thought these were nice people, but I'm not sure about it now. How on earth did we get to Farlap, eh? What are we talking about? I've been horsing around, he said. Yeah, that's right. No, never miss church. Can I tell the person next to you, never miss church. You know, if we could just get the Christians back in church, there'd be no building big enough to accommodate the churches. You get the churches back, people back on fire. In New Zealand, we're lucky if people turn up every second or third week. It's, it's, a, it's a disgrace. It's, it's not good. It's not good. All right. Let's stay on course here. I reckon it's because I preached after you, Danny. Yeah, no, because you have 15 messages in one. Hey? <laughs> eh? I'm, I'm right off track, and I'm not going to get through this message anyway, so I'm going I'm to just dig in here for a little bit. So, Danny, when you're preaching, is this all right, guys? Just go, okay. 
So Danny's preaching a while. I want to tell you what happens when you preach, Danny, all right? Now, don't let this discourage you, all right? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So Danny's preaching away. You know what I mean. And he, and he says something, and it's absolute gold. And you're thinking, wow, Danny, that is amazing. And you're still thinking about it. And he's, he's gone. He's gone to another point. I'm saying, no, no, Danny, Danny, no, come back, Danny. I'm, God's just met with me. I've just received a great revelation, and you've gone on to another thing. So that's how we have to suffer you, Danny. Danny. But fortunately, if we, buffet. Yeah, fortunately, there's another nugget uh, two minutes down the line there. But seriously, some of that stuff is such gold. It is, it is wonderful. So, but yeah, just, you know, I, I usually have one nugget <laughs> and I have to preach around it for 45 minutes. You have about 50 of them. You only have to give each one one minute. But I, so I don't have that many. So I've got to stretch this out. This I've got to horse around. I've got to make stuff up. I've got to make this last for, for 50 minutes. Giddy up. <laughs> this front row is a disaster, Sharon. How have you stayed with this guy for so long? Keep sending him away. Look, we've got to get to this message. I've got some stuff to say. I've got some nuggets coming up. <laughs> I know you've waited a long time, but there's, if you just keep waiting, one's going to come, all right? So here we go. So I'm saved. Oh, man, look at that time. I'm saved. Yeah, I'm saved. I am saved, actually. So I'm first in about 18 months I've been saved. And I know very little about anything except the fire of God. And uh, God puts two words in my heart. And the two words are harvest and nations. Now, I didn't know what that meant. You know, I thought, well, what? you know, it sounded good. So, you know, someone would talk about harvest. And I start crying. And so I kind of knew that God was in it somehow, but I didn't quite know what it all meant. <clears throat> So what I did is I thought, well, I've got to do something with this. So I went, went out and I bought this map of the world, you know, a huge map of the world, and I put it up in my bedroom wall, on the wall. This is Hindu parents, by the way. Put it up in the bedroom wall, and right across the top in big black letters, about that big, I wrote, the word to the world. Now, this is about when I was saved 30-plus years ago. Do you know 30-plus years, 30 years later, do you know that's exactly what I am doing? Taking God's word around the world and doing everything I can to bring in the harvest. You see, what that was, was a deposit of God into my spirit in the early days of my salvation. It was, it was, it was two words placed there by God into my heart. It was my divine revelations. So lesson number three is this. Build your life on divine revelation. Danny's already said this. Not a copy of what others are doing. And so God gave me these, uh, these two revelations. Now, I want to talk about this for a few moments because my next nugget is about 20 minutes away. So we're going to stick with this one for a while. <clears throat> Listen, it takes a lot of courage to stay with your divine revelation. Because you see what other people are doing and the temptation to change what God has called you to do is absolutely massive. It takes courage in your soul and strength in your spirit and a knowing that you've heard from God in order to stay with your divine revelation. But that's the thing that God is that that's the most important thing that, that God has in your life. You see, God's got a specific blueprint for your ministry. Whoever you are, you've got a specific blueprint for your church. 
He's got a specific blueprint for your organizations. They are unique and very specific. You see, all 7.5 billion people on the planet have been created with a unique DNA. There are no two DNAs the same. There's no two fingerprints the same. There's no two snowflakes the same. God is the master of creativity. He made you the way he wants you to be. Do not try and be someone else. You are uniquely made by the master craftsman himself. You're exactly what he wants you to be. And he's put a calling and a plan and a purpose in your life. And so here's the key. What I say sometimes to people is the key is stay in your lane. You know, when you're running, this is what happens, all right? So you're, you know, you're running your Christian race, and you, you, you're doing all right, you know, but you're staying in your lane, you're doing okay. But suddenly, in the lane beside you, here comes Hillsong, and they're, they're just passing you. And you're thinking, and then, then Planet Shakers comes after them as well, and whoever else you might be in your zone. And so you're running away, and you're thinking, man, I, the temptation, I've got to change lane. I've got to start. These guys are getting more success than me. So I better, I better shift into the lane and cop, start to do what some of the things that they are doing. Friends, you'll never finish your race and win your race. In order to do that, you have to stay in your lane. If you swap, swap lanes, you're probably going to be disqualified in a 100-meter race or whatever race you get. You do get disqualified. You've got to stay in the lane that God has called you to be in. And the key to not changing lanes is knowing what God has called you to do. You've got to understand it. You've got to get that revelation from heaven. This is what God has called me to do. In over 30 years of full-time ministry, friends, I'm telling you, I've virtually never, ever changed lanes. I've never gone into the Toronto lane or the Brownsville lane or the, the Cell Group lane or the Seeker Service lane or the Hillsong lane or any other lane. I've learned from them all, but I've never changed lanes because I know what God has called me to do. And I know if I stay with what God's called me to do, then that's when I'm going to have the maximum fruitfulness and effectiveness for the kingdom of God. I'm not called to be Hillsong. Thank God. I'm not called to be Planet Shakers. Thank God. Not because they're wrong. I'm called to be Church Unlimited and Tarkbana, and I'll be the best Tarkbana on the planet that I can be. Well, there's only one of us anyway. I'll be the best Church Unlimited I can be. That's what I'm called to do. That's what I'm called to be. And friends, I'm telling you, when you stay with the, the, with the revelation that God has given you, that's when you're going to be maximum effectiveness. See, there are people that your church can reach no one else can. Because we're all a unique manifestation of Christ. There's no two of us going to manifest Christ the same. So you'll reach, as an individual, you'll reach some people no one else on the planet can reach. Because you're the right personality. You may be loud, you may be noisy, you may be crazy. You're great. You may be a Bible basher, the one who got me saved. You may be incredibly silent and quiet and can't say boo to a mouse. It's going to win some people. He needs your personality. You see, God does not need another. I know this gets recorded, but it's all right. God doesn't need another Brian Houston. He doesn't need another Russell Evans. He doesn't need another Joel Osteen. He doesn't need another Danny. He doesn't need another Joel, Joe. He doesn't need another Tark. What he needs, are you hearing this? What he needs is you. What he needs is you. What he needs is you. No, 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 I'm not talking about the person next to you. He needs you. 
And that's why he saved you. That's why he's created you. That's why you're on this planet. He needs you. You are born with purpose. You are born with destiny. You are born with fruitfulness that, that only you can fulfill in your life. Please don't try and be anyone else. You know, a copy is never as good as the original. You get a photocopy, it's always off track, isn't it? It's never the same. Be who God has called you to be. Don't be a copy. When you are who God's called you to be, guess what that is? Listen, that's integrity. That's integrity. You're being what God created you to be. Anything else is hypocrisy. It's like it's a fake. I don't know if you have it. You probably have it in Australia. You see these guys doing these Elvis impersonations? I preached on this once, and there was a guy sitting in the audience who was a master at the impersonations. He wasn't very happy with what I said. But don't they look so stupid? Huh? I mean, you look at you, you idiot. You know, because you know Elvis. I mean, I was a bit of an Elvis fan. I mean, love, you know, Jailhouse Rock and all that stuff that he had. He said, I used to watch his movie. That's before I saved. Make that clear. All right? It's in my heathen lost days. Loved Elvis Presley. But I watched these impersonations. And when you watch it and you think, are you, are you an idiot? What's wrong with you? And yet, in the church, we do the same. How many people years ago would, would even look like Brian Houston? If he changes hairstyle, they change the hairstyle. I think you, what's wrong with you guys? I'm the opposite. If he goes that way, I'll go the opposite way. Because I'm Tark Barna. And God needs me. And God, tell the person next to you, God needs you. Yeah. Exactly who you are and the personality that you have. That's what he needs. So don't ever copy anyone else. Let me just, we're, 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 I've got 12 lessons here, and that's cut down from my 20 that I normally do, but we're probably only going to give you about four. Sorry about that, but hey, another place, another time. Hey, come to Auckland and we'll give you the rest, all right? Yeah, okay. So, let, let, can I... Can I illustrate to you? Is this all right? I'm, I'm all over the I'm, I'm, That's it. I'm all over the place. Yeah, Danny, that's your fault. Yeah. Usually I'm very clear, constructed, introduction, main points. What was it? A couple of jokes and a conclusion. That's what I normally do. But under his spirit. God has shifted me, but I don't like where he's shifting me to. All right. So anyway, this is what happened. All right. So how many of you ever heard of Winky Prattney? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Great, great preacher. And uh, so he comes to my church one Sunday, and uh, he gets out this big whiteboard, you know, and he'd preach, he'd preach some points, you know, he'd write it up on the blackboard, and you know, another point, preach to the crowd, and you know, they'd write up on the blackboard, on the, on the whiteboard, and you know, I mean, the church was mesmerized. So in those days, we used to sell tapes. You know, anyone remember tapes? Yeah, it was before my time. That's why they told me about that, you know. It was in Danny's era. <coughs> they had these tapes, and, you know, I don't know, maybe 100 of his tapes went out or 200, and, you know, mine usually about five or 10 went out. So I was a bit ticked at that, and I thought, man, this, this guy's got it. And I said, he's got it. Next Sunday. <laughs> now, now, this is a true story. I mean, not everything I say is true, but this one is true. <laughs> All right. 
All right? So the next time she was whiteboards out, whiteboards out. And I'm preaching whiteboards. Halfway through the sermon, half the people are asleep. <laughs> Seriously. It was an absolute disaster. But I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. Don't copy. Just, but the temptation, what I'm trying to point, make is the temptation to copy is stronger than you realize. And then not, not just, I'm not just talking about preachers, you know. Let's have a go at song leaders for a minute, shall we? And, and, and mind you, mind you, no, we'll leave that. The contract's on the way, so we won't, won't go there. It doesn't matter what area you're involved in. When you see someone else doing it more successfully, you want to copy. It's just, I mean, isn't that what our whole, whole um, fashion industry is about? Yeah. You, know, you know, someone dresses a certain way and everyone thinks that looks great, so next thing you're out going buying that stuff as well. You know, we need to set the fashion ourselves, by the way, church. Okay, thank you for the overwhelming response on that point. <laughs> I'm going to move on to that. Let me just, <laughs> you know the three big, oh, this is Danny, oh, Danny, you've, you've wrecked me. Three big C's that kill us. All start with C. There you go. You copy. You compare. And you compete. If you're a Christian and you're a pastor, those three will kill you. They will kill you. I'm telling you. They'll destroy you. You'll end up bitter. You'll end up twisted. You'll end up angry. You'll end up jealous. You look in the mirror and you think, I don't like the person I'm becoming. Don't compare. We can torture. Don't copy. I've already covered that. Don't compare. We can torture ourselves wanting gifts that others have got and wanting the success that others have got. It kills us. Let me be honest with you for a moment. I run this conference in the United Kingdom called United Kingdom and Beyond. And we're delighted if we get 500 people. So I was just up there recently, and you know, struggling to get 500 along. And foolishly, I went on Instagram, and uh, I'm not going to name it, on Instagram, and I just saw this photo of this other conference in the UK. As I looked at that photo, it looked like 10,000 people. And you know, as soon as I saw that, my heart sank. You know, I know I should, I know you guys would all rejoice because you're more godly than I am. But when I saw that, my, my heart sank. I thought, God, I, I think I'm just wasting my time. That's how powerful this stuff is. If I kept looking at that stuff, friends, it'll kill me. It'll destroy me. And I'll probably stop doing what God has actually called me to do. You know, so we, we don't want to compare with other people. Now, I'm just going to push this a little bit further because I feel licensed to go here. Okay, and, and you know, we, we tend to assess people on the size of their ministry and on the size of their church. Where did that come from? You know, who, who, who decided the, the, the greatness, your greatness is based on the number of people in your church? I mean, what a low life level of assessment. You know, I think God's a lot deeper than that. Anyone agree with me? I, I reckon God actually does look at character. I reckon he actually does look at humility. I reckon he does look at how much you love people. I think he does look at integrity. I think he does look at things like faithfulness. And if I can just go a little bit further on this, when God looks down from heaven, 
remembering God who through the millions of stars and galaxies and planets into place, right? Billions. Everyone say billions. 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 He looks down at a church of 10,000, and do you reckon he goes, wow, how did they do that? Seriously? Seriously? I reckon he looks at a church of 20,000 and 100, and they're all much the same to him. He's not impressed by that stuff, friends. Got to get rid of this comparing. It's, it's nonsense. It's wrong. It's ungodly. It's worldly. We got it from the world. Let's get it out of the church. Why? It'll kill us. It'll paralyze us, and we won't be what God's called us to be. And God needs you to be what he's called you to be. He needs it. The body of Christ needs you to be what he's called you to be. You see, you're not just a number. You're not just one of seven and a half billion people. No, you are a unique creation of God made in his image of immense value that Jesus would have died on the cross if you were the only person on this planet. That's how much you're worth. Your value is the value of the Son of God. So don't ever minimize who you are or what you're called to do or what contribution you can make. You can make a tremendous contribution to the body of Christ. And while we're on this thought of comparing, I don't know what your Bible says, but I wonder how many of our Bibles says, well done, good and famous servant. Well done, good and successful servant. Well done, good and popular servant. Well done, good, and servant with 50,000 followers on Instagram. Well done, good, and charismatic servant. I don't know what your Bible says. That's not in my Bible. My Bible just says one thing. Well done, good, and faithful servant. Faithful servant. And who in this place can't be faithful? We can all be faithful. That's all God asks you to be. If you're called to be a doorman at the, at the, at the door... <laughs> Where else would you be a doorman? <laughs> we lost the plot here, man, anyway. I hope this is all right, Joe. It's, it's okay, all right. I mean, we're all over the place. <laughs> hey, no, if you're called to be a doorman, be the best, most faithful doorman in the church, if not in the city, if not in the nation, if not in the world. Be the best you can be. And that's all God asks you to be. Your rewards in heaven are based on your faithfulness, not based on your success, not based on your charisma, not based on your fa Facebook followers. It's based on serving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your being, being a lover of Jesus and a worshiper of the Most High God. That's our calling. That's our destiny. And why are you shouting, Tuck? I have no idea. I just feel some of this stuff so deeply, friends. I've watched the church for decades. And we just need to change the narrative in a lot of these different areas. Because, you know, I'm not down on the church. I, I love the church. I really do love the church. So what happens if I take this microphone? <laughs> Joe's going to get really nervous now. And I realize... That this pulpit, no, actually on this speaker, there's a, some nails have come loose. Need to be fixed up. So, you know, give, give it. Ah. Mm. 
You're getting nervous now. <laughs> What's going to happen to this thing? It'll be ruined, won't it? Why will it be ruined? It's not what it was made to do. So think of people's lives. When you end up doing or trying to do what God has not called you to do, you will destroy your life. You will wreck yourself. Stay with what God's asked you to do. Just be faithful to the call of God upon your life. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be fantastic. It just has to be what God has asked you to be. And by the way, my Bible says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Personally, Lena, I reckon we're going to be shocked at where people's standings are in eternity. We think it's based on the size of the church. Oh, give me a break. I mean, honestly, even you know that's stupid, don't you? I mean, that can't, that can't be right. We all know that. Yet that's the thing we pursue. It's going to be based on all these other things. And I reckon some people that the Christian world has never heard of are going to have some of the most exalted places in heaven that we could possibly imagine. <laughs> Let that motivate you to be faithful to what God has called you to do. Don't try to be anything more than that. Don't be trying to be anything other than that. Just let his faithfulness be the thing that drives your life. And if you fulfill that, then that's all you need to do. And the last one is don't compete. The three C's. Don't compete. We're not in a competition. Just be faithful to what God's called you to do. You know, when I got saved and when I went into the ministry... And all this stuff about competing and size and success and, gosh, church growth. You know, we all want church growth. I had no idea what I was buying into. You know, I just innocently went, oh, yeah, I just want to serve Jesus. And then all this baggage comes in with it, you know, you know and the pressures of it all. And I've faced a lot of these pressures myself. And uh, it's, just, it's just not the way God I believe, wants it to be. I'm just going to give you one last point because I think we're time is done. But after I got saved, sorry I haven't got through all my points, but I never do on this subject. In fact, this actually message takes about two days. <laughs> There's a lot when I unpack it. You know, not like Danny just go from point to point. I unpack stuff. Depth, you know, deep. deep. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just going to wrap this up. So after I saved, before I saved, um, I was accustomed to, you know, having female companionship. Can we put it that way? Uh, girlfriend. Girlfriend sometimes. It's not good, really. Um, so I was accustomed to having, you know, a girl on my arm most of the time. And uh, that's just the way you did life back then before you saved. And it was great. Once I got saved, <laughs> that didn't quite sound right, did it? We're talking holiness here, but uh, anyway, blame Danny for it. <laughs> but so once I'm saved, I'm, this is really serious, all right? <laughs> once I'm saved, so I'm now on my own. When you're accustomed to that for a long time, and you're suddenly on your own, I was incredibly lonely. And I was, I, I would, I'd be in church, and I'd see these couples together, and I'd think, oh, man, God, have you got someone for me? And uh, 
It, it really probably became one of the biggest trials of my life. And I guess maybe as a new Christian, the devil wanted to derail me. And, um, and so having to go to church, be on my own, see couples together, see boyfriend and girlfriend, all that stuff. As a new Christian, as much as I wanted to serve God and I had the fire of God and all that sort of stuff, that was a real heartache in my life. And it went on not just for a year or two years or three years or four years. It, it went on for quite a number of years. But as I, as I look back on that situation, this is what I, I think I began to understand. That God used it in an incredibly powerful, powerful way. Because, see, this thing was so close to my heart. It was something I so desperately wanted. And God used it to bring me to a deeper and deeper surrender to himself. And I used to think, God, I used to go through, through my mind. He said, okay, God, if I'm single for the rest of my life, that's okay. God, I, I, I just surrender and yield and consecrate my life to you. And so my fifth lesson or fourth lesson, whichever one is going to come up on the board there, and that is this, let trials take you to deeper surrender to God. You know, that's Danny's story. If you think about it, he knows Christ in a way he's never known before because he's allowed his trials to take him deeper in God. So whatever you're facing today, and you're facing something, let it, please, take you to a deeper surrender to God. Now, you might say, well, yeah, I'm not sure I really want that. Can I add something to that? Surrender is the pathway to more of God. Surrender is the gateway, the pathway to more of God. And the more you surrender to God, the more God works in your heart and works in your life, and the more you get to know God in your life. And nothing can beat that. Joshua 3.5, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. When God wants to do wonders in our lives, He always calls us to greater surrender first. Surrender precedes greater miracles and blessings and wonders in our lives. Whatever you're facing today, please let that happen in your life. Greater surrender. Because I think ultimately Romans 12, 1 and 2 is what it's all about. Present my body a living sacrifice. And you know, sometimes you have to be under pressure to do that. And God used it that time in my life, five long years, folks. It may not seem much to you, but when you go with my background and what I was accustomed to, that was a, that was a heavy, heavy, I mean, nothing compared to some of the trials you guys go through, but it was, for me, it was heavy. But I, I maximized it. Never waste a trial. Never waste a trial. Max it out. Max it out. Because my Bible says in Isaiah, the treasures are found in darkness. Hey, where do you find gold? Not sitting on the, the beach, the white sand while you're on holiday. You're not going to pick up some gold. No, you've got to go into the heart of the earth, covered in mud and dirt and grime and everything, locked away under pressure, that gold being formed. So treasures are found in darkness in our lives. My time is up. But as I wrap it up for you today, is a few years later, about five or six years later, as a Christian, I was leading a prayer meeting, youth prayer meeting. And as I was fervently praying, seeking God, as you do in church as a single with one eye open, one eye closed, 
I was crying out to God, Jesus, you know, move in power. And as I was praying that in the corner of my eye, I saw this brunette beauty. My heart missed a beat, more than one. And so I was the leader of the group. So here's some advice to you singles. When we break into groups, I'd position myself. Make sure I was in the group of this one that I wanted to catch. <clears throat> and uh, stop laughing. <laughs> the thing that I loved about her is how she prayed. Mm. And she, she's now one of my most faithful prayer supports that I have. So I conclude with this. What the world says with relationships. Attraction of body, one. Then soul, two. Spirit, three. It's a disaster because that body gets old and wrinkled. <laughs> Believe me, it does. All right? Not looking at anybody. I'm looking at the back wall. That's the world's way. God's way. Spirit first. Spirit attraction. Because your spirit gets more and more beautiful as the years go by. And the attraction can increase. Spirit first, then soul. And hey, if they've got a good looking body, that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah, I know that's how you all think anyway. Yeah, anyway. Surrender. It's a pathway to God. Stand with me, please. Maybe just a keyboard in the background would be great. I'm just going to close in prayer. Our time is gone. Sorry I couldn't get to my 12 points. The nuggets were about to come. <laughs> I didn't quite get to them. <clears throat> Father, we just... Um, Lord, Lord we, we, we just have a sense, Lord, that we stand on holy ground right now. There's just something in this atmosphere, Lord, of your presence. And Lord, you've, you've been stirring our hearts through what Danny said and been challenging my heart. And Lord, we sincerely are not wanting to be critical of the church in any way. But we do want to be honest. And we do want the church to be what you've called it to be and for us to be what you've called us to be. So, Lord, if we just wait in your presence. Lord, I just want to repeat the, the five lessons that we've mentioned today. Just pray that those for whom it was applicable would just, it'd just be lodged deep in their hearts like seeds that will grow and bear fruit. God has the power to do anything needed for you to fulfill your ministry. For Christianity work, you have to give it your all. You've got to be sold out. That's a word for some here today. I just know it. Before the conference finishes, please sell out. Sell out for Jesus. Give him your everything. It is the best possible life. Then we said, Lord, build your life on divine revelation. Don't be a copy of others. Help us not to copy, Father. Help us to be ourselves. Let trials take you deeper to deeper surrender to God. Never waste the trial. 
Father, we thank you that you are here and you are near. Father, help us to absorb what you have said. Father, that this would not just be information, but God, would you cause a transformation of hearts right now here in your presence? Just change us, Father. Father, from glory to glory, even as by your Spirit, Father. Would you just move us on in our relationship, our walk with you? Joe, can I take two more minutes? Just what I wanted to do. Look, I, just, I don't know what you're feeling there. I just sense such. I, I feel we're on holy ground right now. There's something happening. Would you just, if you're comfortable, would you just pray with one other person, just in around what we've talked about, and maybe just ask them, what can I pray for? It's twelve sixteen. I'm going to call it quits at twelve eighteen. You've got two minutes, but come on, let's just invest in one another just for a moment. Just say, what can I pray for? This is not counseling. Give them a short answer, then pray. So we've got two minutes, all right? Come on, let's just do that. You okay? Jesus, oh my God, oh my God, Father in heaven, 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 hallowed be thy name. One more minute, folks. Jesus, we worship you, God. Worship you, God. Worship you, God. We love you, Lord. Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Spirit of God. It's great praying. Folks, can we just, um, I know you're not quite finished. I want to be rude. We've been doing a lot of declarations, but I just want us to do one last declaration. And that is, Jesus, I love you. I just feel this, that's, it's in the atmosphere that God's just looking for worship. He's looking for the, our hearts just to love him more than anything else. 
more than our serving, more than our churches, more than our ministries, our growth, just to, that means more to Him than anything else. We just love Him. So we, I just, we're just going to say it five times. We don't have to shout and clap after. We're just going to say, Jesus, I love you, five times. And then uh, Pastor Joe's going to come and, or whoever's going to just close that. You ready for this? Why don't we lift our hands? <clears throat> five times together. Ready? Let's go. Jesus, I love you. 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 Give him a clap, would you, please? What a great session. Just hearing from his heart. And-